KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. UC San Diego comes roaring back with a record-breaking fall semester. People really, really want to be on UC campuses, and UC San Diego has been one of the places that's had more room to grow. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. A preview of the first San Diego Tennis Open. This is just going to inspire, motivate our youth for the tennis community to be able to have players just feet away, you know, right in front of you to play. I think it's going to be a huge experience and just promote the game of tennis. A new work at La Jolla Playhouse and a garden party anniversary on our weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. After a year of virtual classes, UC San Diego came roaring back this week, welcoming in person what could be the largest number of fall semester students in its history. UC San Diego is projecting that when the final count is in, a record 41,000 students are attending this fall. Now that the campus, which was a virtual ghost town last year, is teeming with students and faculty, many say there's a sense of relief and excitement as the semester begins. But COVID precautions are still in place from masks to outdoor tent classrooms. And joining me is San Diego Union-Tribune reporter Gary Robbins. Gary, welcome. Hi, it's good to hear your voice. Now, starting an in-person semester would be a big enough advance for UC San Diego, but the largest fall semester class in its history, what's the reason for that record amount of students? There are several reasons. There are more high school students in California are meeting the eligibility requirements for the University of California system. And, you know, they're banging on the doors they want in. In recent years, the state's population also has grown quite a bit. So put those two together and you have just a lot more demand. And it's also the reputation of the University of California system and its uh, campuses. It's a, you know, it's a well-known brand. People really, really want to be on UC campuses. And UC San Diego has been one of the places that's had more room to grow. So a lot of the growth has been occurring there. And what's the mood on campus with students back for in-person instruction? It was like uh, excited but anxious. I was there yesterday at uh, 9 a.m. I have never seen that many people at the university. There are places there that look like a street corner in downtown New York City. I talked to a lot of students and faculty. They were really excited to be there because of the growth and the opportunity to study in person instead of uh, by Zoom. And tell us about the 10 classrooms. Yeah, so they have several all over campus. Those uh, came up over the past year because they did offer some in-person classes at the university, but they put them in these like almost like circus-like tents outdoors that were really well ventilated. That gave them a chance to get some students in front of um, teachers. They kept the tents because they didn't know what was going to happen this fall. I mean, we had a surge over the summer. It was just really uncertain. Plus, frankly, they needed the, the additional room. So many people are coming onto the campus that t- uh, space is, is very, very tight. 
Now, everyone on campus has to show proof of vaccination, but of course, there are breakthrough cases. How much testing is underway there? It's extraordinary. Um, So if you were going into campus housing, you had to be tested. Roughly 12,000 undergraduates were tested over the past two weeks. Only 13 proved to be positive. But that's not the end of it. Um, They have to be tested at the five-day mark and then at the 10-day mark. So they're keeping very close watch on that. Anybody who uses the campus, if they're a student, faculty, or staff member has to be um, has to be vaccinated, and they've been um, uh, you know enforcing that very strongly. The university says they're getting really strong compliance. So between the testing and the vaccination, the university has a very low infection rate. Now uh, you said that um, the students and and faculty in particular told you that they were really so happy that this was an in person class and not learning remotely because there were a lot of problems that faculty picked up on in their remote classes. There's a survey that found that they believe student understanding of class material actually decreased last year. Is that right? And that is right. In fact, I talked to an engineering professor yesterday who was saying how frustrated she was to have to teach remotely because. A lot of students wouldn't turn on their camera, you know, while they were attending class. So there's uh, the faculty member couldn't see the student's face. And a lot of students did that. So she would be looking at a screen and not seeing most of her students. And there would be times where she would ask a question, but a lot of students uh, simply wouldn't respond because they didn't want their face to come up on the screen, which is what happens with audio. So she couldn't read people. Now, she had a big class yesterday, over 200 students, and she told me that even with masks on, she could now read facial expressions of people standing in front of her, and that made the whole process so much more effective. And a similar survey found that cheating increased last year with remote learning. Yeah, because uh, students um, could use any number of computers to to go online and uh, use certain services that compile homework, for example, and in some cases what tests are like. So that was very hard for the the university to monitor. You know, it was an honor system and you had just a lot of kids that were living at home with their parents in a room or couch surfing and there really was no one to closely watch what they were doing, for example, while they were taking tests. And the faculty members said that they felt that there was a significant increase in cheating. Is there any plan in place to shift back to remote learning if the county starts to see a surge in cases in the coming months? There is. It's already in place. You know, they're ready to go if that happens. They're hoping that it doesn't. But, you know, you'll remember that the the university, like others, uh, changed very rapidly. So they're ready to do it. There's a cultural imperative almost not to do it. UC San Diego is not big on online education. They've built this massive infrastructure. They want people to come there. They think it's the most effective thing. But if there's a big outbreak that um, threatens what's going on, they will uh, shift a lot of classes back online. Now, UC San Diego is looking forward to a big event in November, with which will increase access to the campus. Tell us about that. So on November 21, the Blue Line trolley service will begin operating. And as you know, there are a couple of stops at the university. Um, the one, the main one that's near the library, they expect to bring in about 4,000 people per day. So that'll bring in not only students, but members of the public. And the university is trying to reach out to the public to get them more involved in the university. As you know, the university is kind of an island in a sense. There's the ocean on one side, a freeway on another, you know, a golf course on another, and you can't really see the university very well. And so that's led to a distancing between 
between the campus and the community. And the campus is trying to break that down by saying, please come to this university. And they're building all kinds of amenities to draw people, like a major amphitheater under construction right now, new restaurants are opening up. The arts program is going to be much more intense. The university has gone to Division One in basketball, and they want the public to come on. So they're seeking a different relationship. And that's going to mean, over time, there will be a lot more people on campus. I've been speaking with San Diego Union-Tribune reporter Gary Robbins. Gary, thank you so much. You're welcome. The biggest professional tennis tournament in San Diego history is being served up next week. Some notable international and local players are slated to be on the courts. KPBS reporter Melissa May gives us a preview of the first San Diego Open. The Barnes Tennis Center in Point Loma had just five weeks to organize and prepare the first ever Association of Tennis Professionals tourney in San Diego. From September 27th to October 3rd, tennis fans have the chance to see some of the best male tennis players in the world compete in the San Diego Open. For the sports community and San Diego, it's a big deal. Jack McGrory is the co-chair of the tournament and an avid tennis player. He tells us how the ATP finally selected San Diego to host an ATP tournament. When the Chinese part of the tour got canceled because of the pandemic, they called us and said, will you please host an ATP tournament so we can keep the players working and earning prize money. The ATP granted several one-year license to tournaments, and we were so fortunate to get one of those. Ryan Redondo is the Barnes Tennis Center general manager and San Diego Open tournament director. He says every seat is a good one. The courts, the weather, there is not one bad seat in this facility, so it's just going to be awesome. This center court right now holds 2,000 people. Our second court will hold about 400, so we have a lot of people that can come through. Youth Tennis San Diego owns and operates the center and is dedicated to promoting the development of all youth through organized tennis. Clinics for kids are scheduled throughout the tournament, and many of the young athletes will be sitting in the stands or serving as ball girls and boys. This is just going to inspire, motivate our youth. For the tennis community to be able to have players just feet away, you know, right in front of you to play, I think it's going to be a huge experience and just promote the game of tennis and our city. This men's professional tournament will feature a 28-player singles draw and a 16-team doubles draw. A total of $600,000 in prize money is up for grabs. You're going to have great food, a great atmosphere, music, merchandise to buy, concessions, and great weather, San Diego. Hundreds of jobs were created to put on a tournament of this size, from construction to concessions. Plus, hundreds of volunteers are needed to help this tournament run smoothly. Besides creating jobs for the community, the tournament will help the local economy, too. Hundreds of thousands of dollars are going to go into the, into the city just by bringing this one-week tournament in. So it's a huge boost to the city. It's a huge boost to Point Loma, Ocean Beach, downtown. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so positive for the city. Players set to appear include Andre Rublev, currently the number five player in the world. And the big one is Andy Murray. Everybody's really excited about Andy, multi-Grand Slam champion, gold medalist. So we're really looking forward to having him here. The talent is the best in the world. It's what you see on the U.S. Open. And all of these guys will be then going on to Indian Wells, too. Three local tennis players will have the opportunity to play in front of a hometown crowd, including Brandon Nakashima, who's currently ranked 85th in the world. He hit some tennis balls on the deck of the USS Midway to promote the San Diego Open and show the ATP support for the military community. To be able to come up here and even to hit some tennis balls up here, it's such a cool experience. 
The tournament will be having a military appreciation day on September 29th. Nakashima is constantly traveling to different tennis tournaments all over the world. He's looking forward to sleeping in his own bed for a change. It's such a good feeling coming back home and, and being able to, to play a professional tournament close by uh, where I grew up and, and where I trained as a junior. It's really cool to see and, and it's, uh, it's going to be great to have all my, my family and friends uh, come out and support. The Rancho Santa Fe High Bluff Academy graduate plans on being a part of the youth clinics as much as he can. The tournament will feature two sessions a day. The day session starts at 11.30 a.m. and a night session starts at 5.30 p.m. Free shuttles are being provided from Liberty Station to the Barnes Tennis Center for both the day and night sessions. Masks are required on the shuttle, but not at the venue. Melissa May, KPBS News. Qualifying matches for the tournament will be held at the Barnes Tennis Center this weekend, and we're told there are still tickets available for that and every session of the tournament, too. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This weekend in the arts, the La Jolla Playhouse opens a new commission. There's a concert from Bodhi Tree, a garden anniversary party at Art Produce, and a reimagined contemporary art space opens in Balboa Park with augmented reality coyotes. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts editor Julia Dixon Evans, and welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. The new Institute of Contemporary Art San Diego officially opens its Balboa Park campus this weekend with a new exhibition and an opening reception tonight. Tell us about it. Right. This is the merger of Lux Art Institute, which was in Encinitas, and they were really focused on bringing bringing the public and the artists together into the artistic process through things like residences and education. And then also with San Diego Art Institute, which is this big exhibition space right in Balboa Park. And they're merging together as an ICA, Institute of Contemporary Art. So they're really looking to invite the whole region into exploring contemporary art in meaningful and more accessible ways. And it's exciting to see this open up, especially because it adds to the list of museums in Balboa Park that are free to the public. The first artist on view is Mexican conceptual artist Gabriel Rico, and he's put together this pretty immersive exhibition full of neon and taxidermy on loan from the Nat, and then a lot of stuff that looks like it might be trash. Uh, Gabriel Rico, when I, I talked to him earlier this year, said that this is his way of making work that's significant to a place. If you see a Coca-Cola bottle, you can define a precise uh, space-time situation just because before a certain point in time, it's very known that the humans cannot have the capacity to manipulate or create glass. Another example is a CD or a USB port. You can uh, construct an history. In my case, I construct pieces of art. But one of my favorite works is an augmented reality coyote that you can follow around the exhibition. It's very cute. And, and the point is that it, it really forced me to interact with the exhibition in a totally different way. 
There's a ticketed opening reception tonight at the new ICA San Diego Central in Balboa Park. That's from 6 to 9 p.m. And then the museum is open Saturday and Sunday from noon to 5 with free admission. Next up, Bodhi Tree Concerts are celebrating 10 years. Tell us about this performance. Yeah, this is a collection of of so many of Bodhi Tree's past collaborators. The list's really long, but Irvin Flores and Rob Thorson, there's Brendan Nguyen and Leslie Latham, and then Ken Anderson and Dale Fleming from the Martin Luther King Jr. Community Choir, who we heard this week in our summer music series. We are listening to a clip of Fleming singing Strange Fruit with Anderson on piano that they had performed with Bodhi Tree last year. Bodhi Tree Concerts will perform Saturday at 7 p.m. at St. James-by-the-Sea Episcopal Church in La Jolla. In theater, La Jolla Playhouse has just opened a New World premiere play by Charlene Woodard. Tell us about The Garden. Yeah, this is a Playhouse commission, and Charlene Woodard also co-stars in it. It's about an aging Black mother and her daughter, who is played by Woodard, and they have been estranged for years, and the play is set right when they reconcile. They're standing at the garden gate, and this reunion is far from sweet and easy. The women are fighters, and they have years of issues and secrets and history to unpack. But this is not only a beautiful script, but it's also a really lush set. I'm so excited to see big theater sets back. The Garden runs through October 17th at La Jolla Playhouse. This weekend performances are tonight at 8 p.m. and Saturday at 2 and 8 p.m. Art Produce is a small but mighty art space in North Park, and they're celebrating their 21st anniversary this weekend with a garden party and dance, music, and poetry performances, as well as a new exhibition. Julia, tell us who all's involved in this. Right, they're they're actually opening this huge exhibition of work of more than 20 artists to celebrate more than 20 years. And it's all their artists, people who've exhibited with art produce or been artists in residence over the years. Uh, There's really beautiful wire sculpture work from Anne Mudge, paper cut from Bhavna Mehta, textile work from Katie Ruiz, and so much more. Klein Swanger, Alessandra Moctezuma are on the list. And this exhibition will be on view through the end of October, but Saturday night's garden party is your chance to see it first. It's an adults-only gala-style event. The tickets are $50, and you'll be treated to craft food and cocktails, poetry from Ted Washington, and Disco Riot will also be there doing some dance performances and also some music from the Sue Palmer Quartet. I will leave you with Sue Palmer's soundtrack to a B-movie from her Gems Volume 2 compilation. The Art Produce Garden Party takes place Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. Regular free gallery hours are Tuesday through Sunday, noon to 6 p.m. For details on all these events and more, or to sign up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans. And Julia, thank you. 
Thank you, Maureen. Have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.